And it's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. A DM, DM on this beautiful day. A good morning, NFTs. With Baroco, Seth, and Mando. Got the Alpha on Web 3. And it's all on Rope Radio. It's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. A DM, DM. Yo, 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 good morning, good morning, what day is it, Thursday, July 7th, 2022, another day, another day, another opportunity to, uh, I guess to be a better version of yourself, uh, I didn't have a quote in mind, I just freestyled, uh, but, <laughs> but yes, Another great show. Excited to show up to host another one with Ovi, with Mando. I mean, that's if Ovi shows up today. Um, we don't know yet. We're not sure what his status is. Uh, we're not sure where he is. Uh, but, you know, um, we, we, we definitely think about him. We're definitely thinking about him. Um, Indian weddings can be, can be tough. They can be rough on the body. Definitely thinking of Ovi. Um, <laughs> let me get Mando up here. Hold up. Well, ETH is a 1,200. ETH is a 1,200, ladies and gentlemen. The pimp is happening. ETH, 1,200 bucks. There it is. It's here. Let me... Yo. Finally here, right? We're finally getting a good day. Well, I guess it was even this high during NFT NYC, right? And then we just sold off again. But it feels like this... I don't think it is 1,200, though. Did it not? I thought it hit twelve fifty when we were at NFT NYC. Not sure about that. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, I think it did. I think it did. I remember seeing it around that level. But then I think we just kind of actually, sold off. This, no, this... actually, it it hit eleven eighty one. Wait, let me see. No, that's the wrong chart. Let's see. But yes, this is a good news. This is good. This is good. We're getting a little. You know, give me a little this something time... here. <laughs> this time feels a little bit different, doesn't it? It, it feels as though people are, are just generally a little less bearish on, on your timeline. It's always like that. And then, you know, uh, Wizard comes back and, you know, scares everyone. And uh, we all sell. No, I'm kidding. Um, I do wish he that closed, I that he, day. But... He, closed out his, uh, he closed out his shorts, right? Yeah, he's got his shorts. I mean, he did say he did say a couple days would be bullish, um, but I guess we're still waiting for tomorrow's number. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I guess Ovi's rugging us today. Ovi is rugging us. I'm. Uh, I'm actually not in Lisbon today. I kind of went to a town just in like central Portugal called Avora, which is like a really beautiful town, but it's uh, like forty degrees. <laughs> It's like 40 degrees. Oh, just to, you know, see, see the country a little bit. Oh, that's nice. That must be fun. Yeah, it's just yeah, absolutely yeah. boiling. Absolutely boiling in Portugal at the moment. Good morning. Good morning, America. Oh, speaking of America. Um, speaking of America. Hold on. It's nothing to do with America. Um... <laughs> I was just thinking of something. Oh, there it is. Hold on. We got some news today. We got some news coming live from... Uh, hold on. 
I got some news. I I'm not organized today. There you go. He's gone. He's gone. Finally. He's gone. Ladies and gentlemen, they got him. They got him. Uh, yeah, got that's, him. it's, it's kind of weird. Boris Johnson is now no longer, well, he's weirdly like resigned, but he's still going to be the prime minister until October, it looks yeah. like. But yeah, they, um, <laughs> it's been a kind of a weird three days in UK politics and that every single person in the UK cabinet like resigned. Um, and like everyone that he, he he would like reappoint someone and then they'd resign the next day. It was kind of it was a really like stupid so, situation. So Boris Johnson, UK Prime Minister, set to resign, um, joining a career in Web three. Um as long as she's NFT drop. Wait, wasn't the UK government supposed to do an NFT? Yeah, it was Rishi Sunak, who was the Chancellor at the time, um, who also resigned over the last couple of days. <laughs> he was he was meant to, he was meant to be overseeing that. So who knows? Maybe that's reason. Wait, what's going on? What's going on? Why is everyone resigning? What's they rugged the government. England, England is being rugged. England is being rugged. This happens every time. Guys, they were all but, just um, learning. Yeah, just learning. <laughs> we're gonna do, they're going to do another project in a, in a couple of months. See, see you back in October. Oh, my God. That's funny. So, um, so a whole country is getting rugged. Um and uh, and uh, and yeah, that's the news from the UK this morning. Uh, I'll, I'll hit it to Mando though. Let's get to the market. Um, obviously, we're just opening, saying, "Wow, ETH is twelve twenty one. It it does feel good to see. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, nah, I was kind of, I was kind of, I was like, "What? Okay." Damn, like ETH is twelve twenty one. Look at that candle on the hour chart. Sheesh, Mando, talk to us. Talk to us. Finally, agree. Finally, 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 feels all right. This um, this doesn't. Uh, we've said the last few days. This, this is slightly different. There's a, there's a reason why we're rallying. Um, there was that initial bounce. You know when we hit like 800, and then we bounced back up to. I thought it was like 1,200 that, that time, but that one didn't feel as strong. That one just felt like a a bounce back just because we've gone too far. This one feels as though things have changed slightly um, on the macro front, and yeah, I'm all for it. I think I think this is a, this is a sort of situation where. We're not out of a bear market by any means, but do I think we could bounce to 1,500 ETH very easily? I think um, stuff is still very oversold uh, across crypto, across a lot of different macro indicators. So this this could be a bit of a bounce. Um, I looked at I started looking at altcoins again for the first time in months um, because some of those have been absolutely destroyed, and some of those. Like uh, we've spoken about on this before, like Matic announced a partnership with Reddit today. Um, ENS, like the amount of the amount of stuff that's happened in ENS over the last few months, that coin that coin is down like 80, 90 percent. Um, obviously, a lot of, a lot of people in NFTs looking at ApeCoin again, um, given that there there might be staking coming up. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I don't think this is the most terrible time to start thinking about some some good alts. Let's say that way as well. So. Uh, overall, macro and 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 the uh, crypto market feels feels good for the first time in probably about two two to three months. What do you think? Uh, what is going to happen tomorrow? I'm not waiting for the number. What time is that number coming out at? 
it normally comes out in the morning US time. Um, I only know it from London time because that's when I used to always know it. Know it. But I think it was it was normally twelve thirty or one p.m. I think London time. So I think that's like seven thirty or eight eight a.m. Um, New York time. That's what time it normally comes out. Um, that will be a big deal. Uh, the main thing has been that oil has gone below a hundred bucks. So that's 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 really changed uh, changed the whole macro sentiment. Um, and then, like you said, rates have moved quite aggressively over the last over the last couple of weeks. Um, there was some news out from the Fed yesterday that they said that they were uh, they were still going to raise rates if, if inflation continues, which isn't which isn't a great scenario to be in. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely macro definitely feels decent here. I think we could we could get blown off course by a bad figure tomorrow. But if that figure comes in, I, I'm I'm in the camp that bad is good. Um, and by that, by bad is good. I mean, if if it comes in slightly worse than expectations, I think that the market will rally because I think people will assume that we're, as we said before, like a recession. Weirdly, at this exact point, or the idea that we're already going into recession, the um, financial markets will rally on the back of that because they'll assume that um, that that financial market that that um, the Fed is going to have to pause its raising interest rates. So, I think I think you could. We're kind of hoping for a not a disastrous um, miss, but maybe something which is slightly worse than expectations. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's honestly like so like crazy to look at, and it's like pretty ironic that like the worse things are now, the better the market like probably will perform. I mean, but like when you think about it, um, like it kind of makes sense because it's like markets are tend to be forward looking, so like the worst things are now like the tighter the Fed has to be now, which means the sooner that they'll start, um, you know, like stimulating again. Um, and then like as the faster that comes, the faster markets can recover. That's exactly it. And it, it, it's, it's so weird like that financial markets is that sometimes you're looking for bad figures for good, for good outcomes for financial markets. It's kind of, this is when we always say that they're leading indicators because they, they indicate you're going to a recession beforehand and then they indicate you're coming out of it well before it um, it finishes. Well, look, I guess this is good, right? We love to see it. We love to see the market rebound a little bit. I don't know how long it's going to rebound for. I was talking to Wizard. I don't know where he is right now, but um, <laughs> I was like, so, Bola or Barra? <laughs> But he did say he did say to me that we're gonna pump to twelve fifty before he calls some more shorts. So he it looks like the guy's right one more time. Um, <laughs> he said it's all about bounty things. Yeah, well, I mean, that we're Ed. I don't know if you're aware, but we're in a global economy crisis. Um, you know, it's uh, so it's. I, don't, I, think I, it, I am aware. <laughs> what I'm saying though is that some people have different takes. So. And gas is still like a crazy amount, of, a crazy price. So and like people are quitting their countries right now. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. GM. Hi, GM. GM. I have two questions for this morning. Um, when okay. y'all are taking questions. Of course. Um. Okay. So there are two like very different questions. So my first one is, what did y'all think of the other side? Uh, like sneak preview tomorrow stress test that they had. And then uh, my other question is, did you guys see the news about Solana being sued? And what do you think? Solana. I saw that. So the other side part, I'm going to get to after because it's one of the topics of the day. Uh, but the Solana side, 
um, Sarah, I saw that uh, Carlo posted a, a a link about it, but this is news too, so we're gonna we can talk about it right now. Um, I'm gonna pin a tweet I saw this morning. I read a thread from Carlo DeFi Defense Law. He comes on this on the space a little bit, um, quite a bit, and uh, so let me let me pin it at the top right now. <laughs> Uh, there's a federal class action lawsuit that was filed alleging that Solana is on on unregistered security under the Howey test, uh, which of course it's a lawsuit. Class action lawsuit that was filed doesn't mean it actually is everyone. But what was interesting, um, also part of that lawsuit, is that hold on, there was an article that I read yesterday. I'm gonna here um, the key. Hold back- on, so it's- so it's a, it's a class action lawsuit. It's not brought yeah, by the SEC. Hackers are accused of violating securities laws and harming retail sole traders to the benefit of insiders in a class action lawsuit field. So there's also like a whole um, class um, insider trading uh, part to that to that lawsuit. Uh, something that I read. Obviously, doesn't mean it's the, the case, but definitely an interesting news that came out uh, yesterday. Look, there, there is something about the way that certain coins, are, when they're created... Um, that that often can lead to like class action lawsuits like this. Some some of the some of the um, defenses of Bitcoin at the start have been that it was quite decentralized. Like Satoshi obviously mined Bitcoin, but he he didn't sit there with a bunch of VCs and fund it um, when it was initially created. Some of the arguments that Ethereum might end up being classed as a security down the line is to do with the idea that it was VC backed at the start to some extent. Um, Solana is a coin which was incredibly VC-backed. Um, there are a lot of insiders at the start with massive bags, um, including things people like SBF, but but even people like 3AC and a bunch of other VCs were very, very big uh, in the initial initial days. Uh, and that's kind of the argument against a lot of these other L1 coins. Like if you ever heard of Avalanche or Near Protocol or Phantom, they're all very, very... Um, concentrated with VC bags at the start and there have been arguments that that later down the line will mean that they could get classed as securities. Yeah, I mean, usually also, by the way, Sarah, like, um, and everybody, this is like, when you read the articles, I, I pin that top for people who are curious. Of course, it's good to be in the know of what's going on, but it's usually like, it's in one individual that's filing a lawsuit and obviously news picks up on it and then you're like, whoa, it sounds big. It could also be nothing, but there is definitely like a lawsuit. I'm reading, it says, filed by California resident Mark Young. Why is it always Californians, y'all? I'm just kidding. Uh, a California resident, Mark Young, um, who said he bought Seoul in late summer 2021. The suit named Solana Labs, the Solana Foundation, Solana's Anatoly Yakovenko, crypto VC giant, multi-coin capital, multi-coins, Calcimani, and trading desk, Falcon X. Uh, so Solana's spokesperson declined to comment. Multi-coin and Falcon X did not immediately respond to the request for a comment. Um, you know, so th- this is what it means. Like, there's, there's an individual that's filing a lawsuit against these people, and then obviously news are picking up on it. Um, which is obviously not enough to mean that it's 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 the case, but it's interesting. You know, those lawsuits sometimes can set precedent, whether they go in favor or in disfavor. So it's 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 good to follow them. Spencer, I see your hands raised. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, it, what's interesting, and my hope is that this actually like goes and becomes a real case and isn't settled out of court, because like I think that this is the type of thing where either way that this ends up having more case law precedent sets a clearer path like we have a big history in the u.s of sort of legislating from the like judicial branch and so like the more that there is case law president the more clear the the rules are about these things so it, it's unfortunate i think for solana and people building the solana ecosystem because you never want that 
type of press if you're those kind of people uh or, but like it, from a from a like larger crypto perspective i think the more lawsuits that happen and the more cases that actually like go through courts especially higher up courts and, and this is gonna be like a, a not a quick process right but the more that that happens and the more informed people can be going into um creating their projects yeah no it's that that's true and you know like and then you have the headline that says like you know, Solana's sole token is an unregistered security whose insiders have benefited while retail suffered the suit alleged. Like, it then, it's like, you know, maybe the person who also bought the top is, you know, somewhat to be blamed too, right? So it's just like, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it seems like that's what that person is. But at the same time, does it make it, you know, not legitimate to do what they're doing? So my, think- my, my guess would be that it's not really a person. Like, usually with these type of class action lawsuits, what they'll do is they'll find someone in the most favorable jurisdiction to do this lawsuit like my guess is this is more coming from the law firm than the person do you think it's a bunch of retail investors or do you think it's just a law firm that's trying to come i think it's like if i were a law firm like i would do stuff like this because it's really good to build out my crypto practice and like i would go seek out people to litigate on behalf of if i had an esoteric argument i wanted to make about a product violating securities law i wouldn't necessarily wait for a client to come to me and do it although who knows like i don't know in this particular case but i know that, that that happens a lot where law firms will see opportunities for litigation and then go find people to be sort of the poster child and help build the case around it um especially if they're trying to take it further in the court system because if you're an individual like it, it, it doesn't really feel like there's a cost benefit here to like okay the amount of legal fees i'm gonna have to pay to make this argument versus like what i might get at the end of it like i don't think that, that makes sense to do here yeah that makes sense by the way i pinned the tweet uh, at the top if you want to check it out from uh carlo he wrote a really extensive thread like he's just breaking down he read the he read the, the paperwork and he's just breaking down the lawsuit uh for for everyone uh to have a look at it and so i guess we'll see where that goes another uh interesting um thing because it says one of the other interesting allegations is that 48 percent of soul is held by insiders, founders, teams, investors, and they're alleging a crypto VC is an underwriter in essence. Have seen the latter in SEC cases, but not from private um, platforms. Uh, I'm sure someone here will correct me. And then uh, Carlo was saying it stood out to him as a complaint. So it's, uh, yeah, that, and I know there's the XRP stuff going on that's been going on for a while. Um, definitely things to uh, to follow. Uh, this this. This law firm has sued like Binance and KuCoin and a bunch of other cryptocurrency things. So they're this is like this is what they do. Which I think, by the way, is like super cool. Like I like that law firm. Like like law firms tend. I feel people don't realize that law firms are actually very similar to venture capital firms in the way they work. Um, in the sense of like they tend to try and be really early adopters to certain industries, especially ones that aren't the like giant law firms because it's super super profitable um to have a niche where you are like known as doing like the biggest things and what you'll see is like the giant law firms will either create a separate practice this or just not touch it and either way there's an opportunity right and so um you know when you think about like maturity in the space i think having like good lawyers or especially younger new lawyers that are coming in um, that are working in the space is advantageous to uh, like the space as a whole.
Yeah, we'll see what happens there. We'll be following that one closely. Obviously, it's going to take some time. And I guess we'll hear about it uh, as soon as there's some movement. Or probably Carlo. I, that's why I like Carlo. Carlo and Jenko, they're on top of it <laughs> at all times uh, with these uh, with these cases. Another news in crypto, uh, something I shared with you this morning, uh, Mando, is that Polygon, again, yet again, news coming from Polygon, good stuff. Reddit is launching its NFT marketplace on Polygon. And it seems like every time there's big news involved, I saw Andy's tweet, Andy found a fractional tweet about this too this morning. And a similar thought. Every time there's been a big news, most recently Polygon's been involved. Um, you know, ever since they have this new CEO, Fwiz, of Polygon Matic, of Polygon Studios. He was a gaming exec at, at, at YouTube prior. He's a huge name in the gaming space as well, if not one of the biggest names in the crypto gaming space as well. And, and you know, we saw the other week that Meta... Um, Meta also is testing PFPs on Polygon Matic. So it's it's pretty interesting, Manda. What do you make of this? It, it's like, I know we've talked about that quite a bit uh, behind the scenes, but Polygon just, you know, just, you know, going, going, moving forward with it. And it's really impressive. Yeah, I think, I think that Facebook said the other day that they, they were going to start using it, um, start testing out Polygon NFTs. Look, I just think that all of these people kind of cutting to the chase they, they realize they need to scale and they're looking for scaling solutions and i think they've kind of slightly moved away from using other l1s for scaling they kind of like um scaling via an l2 matic isn't really an l2 but it has a very commercial arm to itself uh, right now the, the main competitor to, to for each scaling right now is arbitrum and arbitrum doesn't have a token um and often you can incentivize people to 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 build on your um, build on your scaling solution through that token. So I would be unsurprised if there was some sort of deal where these, like they become validators on the Matic network or um, maybe not validators. I think all the validating thing has been taken. But in the past, Matic has basically given some of its token to, um, to builders on the chain. Um, so it, it's got a commercial arm. It's building incredibly quickly. It's interesting to see, like, I think... The, the Matic emissions actually run out, I think, in a year or two. So they might, they might actually have to um, change that and make it so that, that like, Ethereum it can, is kind of infinite supply. At the moment, I think it was, it's 80% of all of its emissions have, have, um, have been released, and it's only got another year and a half or two years worth of emissions left. And that's always a risk because if a, if a coin runs out of emissions, then... There's no real, um, there's no real in- incentive for validators to be on the chain. Um, like Ethereum validators get about ba- get get ETH right for for helping validate the network. But if Matic runs out in a year or two, then um, then those incentives go. I think they are going to change the structure of that coin so that emissions can continue, or they most probably will um, after that five years. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm bullish on Matic. I think it's a good coin to own. Here. Um, I think if you're bullish on Ethereum, it's tough not to see that as being one of the main scaling solutions for the next decade. I have a, a quick question on Matic. I'm not too familiar with it, but like, so do you, is there, is gas paid in ETH or is gas paid in Matic? Like I'm trying to gas figure is, out like how value kind of accrues back to the token. Gas is paid in Matic. So it, it's, it's similar to ETH in that people, they're assuming that also that it will be seen as like a form of exchange, but it also is the, um, yeah, it also is the, the gas token as well. I think we need to get uh, Ryan Wyatt on the show. I'd love to chat with him. Um, I think 
he's really, really smart. And what he's built is like the when ever since he's come, like and I've heard that from not just it's not just me saying it, I've heard it from a lot of conversations. But it's like ever since he's come in Polygon, there's been a ton of good stuff happening, and it's been really interesting to see a big Web two exec come into Web three crypto and 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 you know and be able to bridge bridge the gap that way. So it's been really but interesting. Just, but like Mando, like how do you bring value back to the token, right? Because all these news doesn't necessarily mean that Polygon, you know, and then the Matic token accrues value right which brian you're you're raising a good point yeah so like you, you obviously need need it to be the the, the gas token at the same time and matic ha- has to there's, there's been some debate about whether layer two coins actually have any value if the value will just um accrue back to ethereum um but arguably what what they're building on this chain i think we'll we'll see it being um an execution layer at the same time. So I think they, they could have a number of different large apps built on just using Matic. So, uh, and the thing about them is if, if you're bullish on anything, anything that can scale Ethereum, Matic has kind of got you covered. That, that Right now it's just a, it's just a, it's a plasma um, kind of side chain uh, uh, at this stage, but they are building out a ZK rollup. They're building out um, a number of different rollout t- technologies like if you're bullish on the fact that ETH needs to scale then i think matic is going to have you covered for the next decade yeah i think didn't they acquire a pretty significant ck company uh, a few months ago yeah hermes they, they acquired back end of last year which is like zk rollers roll-ups is, is the future no doubt about it for ETH. and it just goes go over a million times it's like moving into a more mass adoption, like most people won't care if it's Polygon, if it's Immutable, if it's Solana, if it's Tezos, if it's Doge Chain. It's just gonna be like, where is the IP on? What's easiest and most secure and safe for the masses to use? Because as much as we preach what we do and enjoy what we're saying, like it's hard for like at least in the next five years, ten years, with technology is to fathom like a mass population wanting to self custody and decentralization aspects of it all um but that's why i kind of like the the polygon matic and then all the roll-up aspects so happy to see things are moving that way rather than a closed ecosystem of like facebook chain yeah i'm 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 really like i'm i'm really like i think this is really awesome to see i mean that's also one of the bull cases on solana by the way right you i know you mentioned so but it's like mass adoption won't really care about like where it's at but you know there's always probably going to be like the main I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what goes down. But obviously, more bullish on the Ethereum blockchain than most of them. But it doesn't mean that there won't be multi chains, uh, you know, that thrive in the future. Um, on the on the on the news side, I think that was it for the main headlines. On the NFT side, Mando, um, Squiggles continue to plow through everything. All blocks is having for the Squiggles. You love to see it. It's the only. It's crazy. It's the it's 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 the generative art project of ten thousand that is you know that has now flipped clones, Azuki, this that, and a bunch of others. Obviously, you can't compare apples to bananas, but you know, it just like in terms of like the amount of it, I think it's an interesting uh, thing. You know, art blocks being like, you know, the art project uh, that that is really just like thriving 14 ETH floor and then jumps to 14.3 really close to 15 ETH. It's, it's insane. It was just four ETH like 
not that long ago. You love to see it. I saw a tweet from Dee's uh, this morning, kind of showing how much R blocks is running. I'm gonna pin it up, but you got the Ringers at 58, Eds at 41, Archetype 28, Subscape 16, Squiggles 14. So uh, let me let me pin um, Dee's um, tweet up here. But it's it's just it's just really good to see Mando, right? It's like. I think it's really hopeful. It's like, whoa, like, you know, it's not just, you know, PFPs running. Like, that was a conversation we had a lot on spaces. A lot of people asking why is only one section of the space growing and not others. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, look, I, um, we've had Snowfarer on. I, I think I, we've spoken about Artblocks a couple of times over the last week. I think, I think it's, a, uh, it's a great platform. I think there are some really great pieces of, uh, of uh, collections on there which will be iconic for years. Squiggles, obviously, being the first out blocks, um, Mint is going to be is going to be valuable. I think for, for decades and decades and decades. Um, so yeah, I think Squiggles. If I was to buy anything on on art blocks, I think I'd want to buy Squiggles more than any other piece. Um, but some of the others are, are, are doing well as well. Ringers, Fidenzas, um, pretty much everything of like the I don't know the blue chip art blocks. They're all they're all running. And yeah, it's. I think they just had a really. They obviously got exhausted with sellers. Like, yeah, obviously, Artblocks had its massive summer last summer. Uh, a lot of money was put into the ecosystem. Then it all kind of collapsed. And then it's kind of been a comeback story, which I, I think everyone loves. With Snowfro kind of going around to a bunch of different um, museums and gallerists and and major art collectors and kind of explain to them how native this art is to blockchain. And if you are if you're if you're bullish on NFTs, then this this is like a very interesting place to to kind of get involved. So you've seen it with autoglyphs, and now you're starting to see it with with some of the blue chip art blocks. I think that could easily continue here. Like it does feel as though the conversation is slightly shifting away yeah. from utility over the last month or two. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you there. I I totally agree with you, and and it seems like this was happening. I mean, you're talking about the squiggle, which is Snowfro's signature on the blockchain, right? He drew them himself. Uh, it's his thing. It's his baby. He loves him, and he talks about him a lot. And then it's kind of become this logo. Like I think it's the who said that? It was someone on the show, no? Or someone said it's like the swoosh of Web three, you know, the the squiggle. And I thought that was really smart. I I gotta say, I I should have loaded up. I should have loaded up earlier on. Now it's obviously a crazy price point, which but crazy in the sense like I totally was. I think it's where it should be, if not more. But it's um, it's really interesting to see. Uh, Naomi, GM, I see your hands raised here. GM, GM, hi. Um, man, I love Art Blocks so much. And I, I jumped up on stage because I'm like, um, there were no women up there up here at the time. And I'm like, we got to get some women up here. Let's go. Because I know you guys are, are into and uh, supportive of all that. And I'm like, all right, I'm going up. And then I'm like, I have nothing to say yet. I have nothing <laughs> to say. And now I'm like, and now I understand why. Because man, Art Blocks was like, the first one, the first project that I got into in um, in the NFT space, and found out about Artblocks pretty early on, and uh, but was too scared at the time um, to to mint anything for like 0.15 ETH, which was so dumb because I would have been minting like Fidenzas and stuff, which is crazy to think about. But I didn't. But then I started getting stuff um, shortly after that, and Squiggles, uh, Squiggles was one of the first projects I picked up on secondary, and um, and yeah, I wish I'd got a bunch more. But the thing that really excited and continues to excite me and why I think our blocks is going to continue to be uh, relevant and, and go down as one of the historic, you know, relevant uh, projects in the space is because 
it it was one of the first like mainstream big massive scale platforms that really highlighted uh the medium as the art like that's what i love about like my favorite thing about nfts is finding projects or making projects where the art is completely dependent on the actual technology and that's what that's what art blocks made took to the mainstream and um it's sort of like the way that that photoshop used to be looked at as a tool to enhance photos and then sort of became its own medium or its own artistic creative medium where people became sort of photoshop artists and that's what happened with um with uh with code art and with uh with this sort of art as nfts it's like the technology is baked into the actual creative process and um yeah big big fan and super bullish on our box long term yeah, it's, that's one of the first things that, you know, when I'm trying to introduce people to NFTs for the first time, like Artblocks is the the perfect vehicle because it's like, it's it's crypto native. Like like you're saying, the second you mint it, it's using your hash that you use to mint it to create the art as part of the algorithm that the art uses. So it's like, it's like perfectly made for NFTs. And people actually get it when you explain it to them that way. Yeah, I think I think that's it, that's the beauty of it. I, I think um, I've been, I've been playing. Well, I've been looking at people play around the Dali two thing, and I'm I'm wondering what how that will that will move into NFTs. I really want to have Claire Silver because uh, have we you never seen like eponyms? Like they did a mint where they did it know, very well. Yeah. But this this technology now just seems incredible, right? Like we we can all essentially just be artists by just having thoughts, and I think that's it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of weaves its way into NFTs. I, I can imagine some creative minting processes using it for sure. JPEG people was a good one because they made all of theirs look like Simpson cartoons, kind of, but it was all AI created and based on your prompt. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that sort of stuff. I think, I think, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be huge. And the art is produced is actually like incredible. Like, it's it's really really good. Um, so, but uh, we should definitely have Claire on. You said that she was ill, Farouk. So I think we can have her on next week. I would love to have Claire. Yeah, I know Claire was just you know she tweeted about it, but she was just recovering from <clears throat> COVID nineteen. She was exhausted, and I think she lost her voice from coughing. So <laughs> definitely wish Claire better and hope she she can rest a little bit. And then <clears throat> I definitely wanted to save that conversation for Claire. Cause like, she's like the Dolly queen. Like <laughs> she like, yeah. she's so she's, but cause she's the person who's like testing it the most on here, you know, like she's testing it so much. <clears throat> Sorry. And, and she knows so much about AI. She's incredible and extremely successful web three native, you know, AI artist. And so I definitely want to hear from her. I also love to get Jake the DJ on the same conversation. I think he's awesome and he's been critical of it, but at the same time, he, he also is really good with it. Right. So it's, yeah, I think man. this would be a great conversation uh, for another day. Mando's been trying to put it as a title a lot. And I'm like, wait, wait for Claire. And <laughs> but it's mind-blowing, though, that like so many people are still do not take AI art as an art. And they say that, oh, if AI made it, it's not an art. It's so annoying. I'm in your camp, but some people feel really strongly the other way. I think some people are finding it, it's it's debasing slightly the the skill of it and i think that's what like leads to this like violent reaction the other way but who knows who knows well i think it's because like digital art was like a hard thing to master before but now like anyone with a prompt can be a digital artist so i i can see like where if someone spent like 20 years perfecting their digital art 
and then do they can get you know they could be mad about it but like it's that's the future is like technology is always going to be moving forward no matter what so it's just like you know get on board you know use it as a tool or don't use it but you know you don't hate on it because it's just it's going to be a thing Oh, people are so pissed still about digital art as well. Recently, I did a little experiment and I posted on my TikTok two absolutely similar videos with celebrating a sale of my physical canvas painting. And it was similar price and it was abstract. And 100% of the comments were celebratory and people congratulating me. And then I did another video of my digital piece, also an abstract, also sold for a similar amount. People, 100% was just pure hate. So I feel like people, even with digital art, they are still having a hard time to accept that it can be abstract and still artists can make a living out of it. So to, for them to accept AI, it's even harder. So it made me realize how far away we are still. Yeah, I was going to say also, like, I think that when I look at, like, something like Chromie Squiggles versus Fidenza, like, to me, Fidenza's, like, Chromie Squiggles was, like, the first use of, like, like the one, like first, like, largely adopted, like, project that was generative on-chain art and that concept. But then Fidenza's was the first one where I was like, oh, they've taken this cool concept and made it truly into, like, an art piece I'd hang on my wall. And I think, like, AI art will go through that same arc of, like, it's difficult for me now to look at AI art and distinguish the, the human creator who put the inputs from each other. But I don't think that will be true long run. Like, I think we will see people use the tools of AI art to, uh, in some way, we're not Find their style that will have exactly. Yeah. That will have like its own voice. And I think like when I think about collecting art, which I do a lot of, like, I think the story that the artist tells about their art is like equal to, if not more important than visual appeal. And I think that's where I'd be curious to see how AI artists are going to weave their story, their narrative, and their inspiration into that media and that platform. Yeah, I've been playing around with a lot of animated AI art. And that's like another extension of AI art. It's like it goes as deep as you want to, to get it. Like it, you know, like there's going to be so many different things that come out of this, like people are going to be able to make like movies and cartoons out of this at some point. It's going to be crazy. I can't wait for that. I'm so excited. I found the uh, one program. It's still not available for general public. So I just saw a video and it basically, you would just say words like, I don't know, a unicorn in a space and AI will generate it for you. And you say different colors that you want to use. So it's almost like they're taking everything from your brain and putting it out in the world, but you don't need to put all this time into learning a skill of how to paint it or draw it. And it's amazing because you can just elevate yourself so much faster. Not only that, there's like people out there with like disabilities and things like that. They can't actually paint, but now they have a tool that lets them, you know, type or talk and they can also now be an artist and use like that creative expression that they weren't able to before. Exactly. But going back to your original point, yeah, it feels as though most profile picture projects are kind of flat on, on the month. Like, Bored Apes have kind of hung around this level for, like you said, weeks and weeks and weeks. Most, like, I'm trying to think of the other main ones, Clonex, Azuki, Coolcast, they're all kind of flat, but Art Blocks is up. Most Art Blocks is up, like, 2 to 3x. 
a lot of one-on-one art have sold. Grifters are now 20 ETH. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, I know. Uh, Brian, Brian Damn, I'm ready. That. Brian I saw Brian bought that. one. I, I know you guys yeah. went before at 11 ETH, but that was 24 hours ago. And now there's, I guess you guys like, it caused some sort of like supply crunch or what whatnot or like people yeah, are supplies be pretty low like a, a nana mu or nana miss i don't know if you want to pronounce it but he tweeted also like 666 supply is like stupidly low there's only 29 listed and like it's 10 between 20 and 30 and then it's like 10 more to 100 like there's like none listed really no, that, that, so slow. Right. it's so small that goes this for is... most of x copies work we talked about it yesterday yeah, right? exactly exactly i think, I think listed that's what these was talking about um as but... a theme as a theme i'd be looking for um top one of one artists if they have limited wow. limited limited editions um or low low numbers of editions then i'd be looking for those because i think those haven't really bounced and there's a few examples fiwo has a few x copy has a few mm. where my bands go is 35 e floor again like that seems relatively cheap i don't know like um there's a few of these uh, Kafka, Arena has a few. <clears throat> Arena has a few. Yeah, Arena well. has a few. Arena has a few. Let's go. <laughs> I've been I've been um picking up some Capsule House too. I don't know. Serialize just a legend, and will probably continue to be viewed that way. And I just feel like at four hundred dollars for a cap, like for a Serialize PFP, I just can't keep passing up on that. It's it's actually pretty. I mean, listen, at uh at at a eight to ten ETH, which what it was at not long ago, definitely a good buy. I mean, at eleven ETH, you guys crushed it with Canary, right? Buying all four, buying the four floor ones. Um, I mean, it's X copy, six hundred sixty six, five hundred twelve owners. We talked about it yesterday, but it's uh, it's wow. This is uh, I, I guess it's it's actually valued properly. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's where it should be. If there's no reason for other PFPs to be, you know, so high, and then. Grifters only has 600 items is is so low, right? Uh, given it's one of the most important artists of crypto, <laughs> if in like a top 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 one. So I think everybody could agree on the X copy side. So I think that's a quite a very big market roundup, which was pretty good. Um, there's a lot of movement, man, during the last couple of days. Like the last couple of weeks, like remember, like two weeks prior, like NFT market roundup, we're like, well. There's not too much going on and like scratching our heads trying to talk about the NFT market. I'm sure y'all remember that. A lot of you have been on stage with us all the time. But it's like, well, we don't have much to talk about. But it's as if like this month, since this Monday, man, like this weekend, things started picking up. I remember Monday, I was like, well, there's not much going on. And you guys were like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. There's this. And I'm like, oh, shit, wait, there is. And I really take time to look every morning now. And there's like different pockets that are just popping. So it's uh, it's been really, really good to see. Um, definitely love to see. Uh, some action on the NFT side, all while ETH is 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 in the twelve hundred. So, love, love, love to see that. Uh, next topic, we were going to talk quickly about other side. Uh, I know Sarah mentioned it as well. Um, you know, there was the other side uh, test yesterday. Uh, Twenty five hundred people that got to join a lobby and, and and play around with it a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna pin a couple. I'm gonna pin a video at the top in a second. But um, they they ran a test, which was the first one, and the question was bullish or bearish. Uh, a lot of spaces obviously erupted after this, and I listened to a couple of them. It was interesting to hear Jonah Blake's take on, on a few things and, and on the ape side and the, also no ape side. So I think overall, like I, I think from what I've read, I haven't tried it, but I've read a lot of the takes uh, from Lupify and a bunch of people. 
Um, I thought it was cool to see. I think it was. It seems like a successful test, right? Um, we'll see what happens with the actual game. But hey, you know what? Like, um, we'll see if a, if a Web three company and NFT company can actually manage to build a successful game. But I think stuff like that is um, is um, is good, and it seems like it worked well. I saw Zeneca tweet. I saw a lot of people say, "Hey, like, I ran that on the MacBook. I think it was Brian or." One of you two said you ran a MacBook Air. Yeah, yeah, I was on a MacBook Air yesterday. Yeah. Um, it is, it is the newer one. I think it has the M1 chip. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it does. It does. The new MacBook yeah. Air. So it still has the M1 chip. Like it's not like it's like an old Mac, but mm-hmm. um, it was running very smoothly. That's that's interesting. See, Mando, what do you think of that? I think um, I think they did an amazing job. I think they've hired an incredibly good team um, to do this. It's a, a UK-based um, game game studio, I guess, Improbable.io. I saw the um, the tweet from the founder of it, which is saying that if you have 15,000 people playing simultaneously, it will require half a billion messages a second to be sent. Um, so this this is kind of not been seen before. You, you never get this in games. Um, with this many people in in such a close environment, um, all having pretty decent gameplay, so I I I think this is great. I, I mean, it it kind of goes back to the question of is this do we actually this is what holders want? And I I kind of get the argument that um, you know I don't know if we're immediately just going to jump to the idea we're all going to be living in some virtual world as soon as a game gets gets created. But it's it's good to see NFT projects pushing boundaries. I think, and and like bringing tech forward with what they're trying to create. So I think this is great. I do think that what they're going to build is going to be um, is going to be really cool. Even though it's not the reason why I like own apes, but I think it is going to be really cool. And yeah, I, I think they should be commended for it. And it was only a stress test, and the fact that they handled it so well, a stress test is incredible. The coolest thing to me um, was the voice. The voice chat was sick. Like you could like kind of hear everyone speaking, but the closer you were to someone, like it was very clearly like you were able to hear that person close to you. Like it was like spatial audio within the game, but like two thousand people speaking at once, and like you could hear the people next to you. Which is you always been, to work. Which has always been the issue, right? Everyone's always questioned where well, if you have like fifteen thousand people in a room, like audio could never work. But if they can make that feel like what you would in a crowd where where you walk past people you hear voices that's that's going to be really special yeah and it's it's also all web-based which i mean i'm not like huge into gaming but i've heard that like that's pretty crazy like to be web-based for something like this if you're not huge into gaming like how does this work for you as an ape holder so I mean I, I'm like I was always a gamer kind of like as a kid, but in terms of like the technical details of gaming, like I'm not really sure. Like I don't know like if it's like actually impressive that it's web based or like if it has to be app based. But I am like I have I was like I played Fortnite like years a couple years ago like in college. Like I was big into gaming. Um, but it's actually it, it's interesting because I was talking to some people about it. Um, like you know you have to really question whether if the valuation of a bunch of these NFTs will start being derived from like how much they can make in the game. And um, I mean, like I honestly have no answer. I I think like from the land perspective, it probably will like based on how much, you know, resources you get and what that's worth, maybe your land's valued more. Um, But for things like apes, 
I don't necessarily think that like apes will be valued based on how much they can make in the game because you can kind of go into the game with like a cool cat or a punk or anything like that. And like, I highly doubt that, you know, other projects can be valued based on what they can make in other side. Like that wouldn't really make sense. I think it's interesting. I mean, me personally, I was th- I was thinking about it that way as well. Um, I don't really like uh, play video games, uh, and I was like, so how how is you know as an ape holder or someone who you know likes what you guys do in and is invested and everything? It's just like I think I think a lot of people will play regardless. It seems like the you know the crowd that they they've catered to and they're catering to are gamers. A lot of the ape holders, and uh, I'm sure they're gonna be able to come up with a lot of different things, um, and. For me, like there's other ways to extract value out of the ape and this and that. Anyway, so it's just I think the game Ed, is like um, one of many things, right? Uh, in that's the way I see it. We talked about IP the other day. You were part of the conversation, etc. But there, it's definitely um, there's definitely um, that's the way I see it personally. Spencer, I saw you raise your hand. Yeah, I was gonna say though, like like is this not a video game? Like twitter spaces you know i, I think right, what, what right, interesting. Yeah. this is a no. metaverse for sure yeah we, we no, don't like building either no it's not no i mean i mean maybe it is maybe you can see it as a video game or not but there's so much things but, i feel like there's so many standards when it comes to video games that you have to fill, fulfill um because if that was the case then everyone would have a video game and everyone would be successful with a video game so we can't just make the comparison like oh isn't this type of like no, isn't no, but, what, but, you know because We've seen video games from other projects, and it be not successful because of it not being up to par to whatever sta- whatever standard that is. So let's let's be careful but, about how we, you know. But no, but Ed, I think the bull case here is the point that I'm making is I think the bull case here is that like if you judge whatever they're building on the other side against say like Overwatch or one of those type of games, like there's this gameplay element that has huge risk exposure. They've been pretty clear that other side is like an ecosystem where people are meant to build like sub games within. And so I actually think that with, when they're talking about a game, it will be something like Twitter spaces, but with 3D avatars where we're walking around and hanging out and talking. That's kind of the vibe that I get. I don't kind of like mine, mine blocks. Like, or like GTA. Yeah, and, GTA and there, there will be sub like side quests or side games that, and maybe people will build them. Maybe they'll have some of their own, but like, I think it's actually smart of them to not try and just go head to head with game mechanics against some of the top like games out there because there really aren't that many. There's a cut like the, the way video games work is there's a couple of games that have like the entire player base, right? Like the Nintendo Switch has like five games that make up like 98% of playtime, right? Like there's just not that many games out there. And so if they're making this platform play where they have an SDK that other people can develop on, which they are then it would make sense that there isn't some sort of central game. And so then when you think, what are they building? Other side is more of like a quote-unquote metaverse ecosystem. We've seen this playbook before. Like, it's the same thing that um, Decentraland and Sandbox did. What are you thinking about Lupify? He just tweeted that other side should be a Sandbox game and like VRChat instead of an MMORPG. What do people think about that? I honestly, uh, and I see other hands too, so I'm, I'm gonna be really quick and just, I, I like, I, I, I think the other side, uh, you know, with like the stress test was, if that's what it's called, was was really cool. Um, I'm just saying more so like those who are in the space that aren't really into gaming, right? Of just like how they can also benefit from it, um, or like how can I think sometimes too we we aren't aware of like you know when it's caught the game, how that kind of that can kind of make you know people see it as one thing because we're so used to like seeing when you say a game, okay, this is what 
a game is and stuff like that. And, you know, to like try to try to break that and, oh, well, this is all, these are the things that you can do outside of it just being a game or whatever. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more of just like, you know, I'm, I'm with the metaverse, like the social, like how is this going to be something very beneficial for me in? And I, I think there's other people with that same question as well. Just like, okay, why do I need to be logged into this like what is going to make me want to be on this um and i think there's a difference between you know when we have twitter like there's a reason why i want to be on here there's this there's these conversations and stuff like that that's very easy to access and you know it's it's not too convoluted or complex and i don't know i i that's just something too when i i, I think I, I'm, I'm thinking about when it comes to these, you know, these games or these metaverses. Like, why do I want to be in this? Like, what is making me feel like I need to be on here? Um, and uh, maybe Twitter has won and, you know, made, found the reason for why we need to be on the Twitter space. But I'm seeing people more on the Twitter space versus the meta- metaverse, right? Like, or a sandbox or whatever. Like, so there needs to be a reason to, like, why I would need to be on that. Other than the fact that I'm not an ape holder anyway, but I love the, th- <laughs> I love the whole thing, and I think it's it's dope, and I I am for people pushing the boundaries and figuring things out. So I agree with you, Ed. I am, um, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to put as one of the other topics about wearable tech. So I think that maybe over the next decade, the amount of people that are wearing VR or wearable VR is going to massively increase. Probably more than, and it won't feel as as so like um, cumbersome as it is right now. Like you've seen what Snapchat glasses have done, um, even the old Google Glass tech, and now Facebook Oculus. I think will develop with time. I do think that a lot of experiences that you or you will end up having more experiences, or maybe even the average person will have more experiences through this VR tech, and then some of the use cases of a metaverse like this will become more obvious. I've become, over the last two months, reading more and more about it. I think there are, there are ways where it's less dystopian than I initially thought it was going to be. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be more integrated into things that you might enjoy doing. Like, we could host this show from the other side. And if your main way of... Um, Instead of looking out on your phone, you had some sort of Google Glass technology or Snapchat glasses technology. Um, then it wouldn't be as you could you could I don't know walk around town and still be kind of watching our show or watching us uh, in one of these worlds, and it wouldn't really get in the way of your day in the same way. Um, so I, I'm kind of more bullish on the tech than I ever have been before. And I think that's 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 why this sort of world might be more valuable than we maybe even can imagine right now. Amanda, you're spot on with that. And, you know, before the pandemic, I was doing stuff in VR for three or four years um, and kind of the early adopter stage here. That's why I feel like a lot of eerily similarities to what's going on here in the Web3 space as the initial hype cycle of uh, VR. Um, but what really excites me with VR is not necessarily virtual reality. It's the mixed reality aspect and uh, augmented reality, uh, which I think will re- really be like the mass adoption uh, of it. Um, and it's really the paradigm shift of computing. Like you went from like the big old desktop, then you had uh, laptops and now your cell phone. And like, what's that next adoption curve for the personal computer, the personal device? And I do think it's going to be AR mixed reality 
but we're probably a decade away. And when you look at what Apple is doing, they're finally going to be putting out their headset, which they've been working on a while. Google was working on it for a long time. They actually shut down their VR business a few years ago. They'll get back in eventually. They, the R&D aspect of it was massive. Um, but when Apple releases their headset, probably I wouldn't be surprised if they even wait till fall 2024 now. Um, just with supply chains, uh, it could be sooner. But that's the iPhone 1. And you kind of look at the adoption curve of iPhones to what it's grown to now. So looking at like a 10-year time horizon, uh, I think it's very keen that it does happen. Um, I'm pretty adamant that it won't happen here in the U.S. first with mass adoption. I think we'd be looking at places with very condensed populations and like South America, Asia, India really taking off uh, quicker. Uh, but it is really exciting. And it always reminds me of kind of 6529 threads, though, because you look at Apple, you look at Facebook, they have these very closed ecosystems, especially with Oculus. Like they are, without saying too aggressive, they're paying the app to work with um, getting into uh, apps approved, et cetera. And they've taken a lot of projects and just put it under the Oculus banner. So I think it's very important that what excites me here is using decentralized rails as aspects that tie into these. Um, and a lot of things will be hardware. And then it comes to as well, like you can't even get your cell phone signal in half the country right now. And if you're using AR as a part of your life, you don't want that signal to lose. So there's a lot to be worked on, not just the hardware side, but also the network connectivity aspect. But I completely agree. We're moving that direction. I, I, there's a great um, episode of the Tim Ferriss podcast. I've kind of pinned it because I, I listened to it this morning where someone was talking about this by um, this guy called Balaji Sriznasan, I think his name is. Um, But he's been on the show a few times and he talks about... Yes, bro, Balaji's a legend, King. Yeah, I just couldn't pronounce the second... second, Just uh, say Balaji. The surname, Balaji. (laughs) Balaji Srinivasan. Srinivasan. There you go. There we go. Zoe Uh, and Lara had the hand raising for a long time. uh, Just wanted to let you guys know. Okay, well, uh, I was just about to say that I think the um, he was talking about the fact that in 2010 we couldn't think of like apps. The concept of mobile apps was like, like completely devoid. They, they, when, when we when we kind of went on the internet, it was via laptops, and then and then the concept of like that you would be able to do all this stuff via apps, like Twitter or email or any of this stuff. That's only a very recent concept that people never really got to the bottom of. The idea that you even go onto Facebook on your phone um, is a big deal. And that just, it just requires, it will just require a few years, I think, of, of changing, changing thoughts around what we can actually do with tech or maybe VR glasses will, will, will start to be seen as like a, a very usable form of tech. Uh, but yeah, uh, Zoe, you had your hand up. I think, Laura, you were first now. Oh, uh, I actually forgot what I'm doing two things at the time at the same time. So I actually forgot what I was going to say. But maybe I was going to say, um, I think like what uh, Yuga Labs is trying to do is, um, uh, they they they're building like a really really advanced. Uh, I hope yeah, a really really advanced like scenes or like uh, like with the whole like you having control of whatever your avatar is doing, and then they're just trying to make sure that we have like a place for our JPEGs to go rather than just having them on your phone or on your watch or something like that. Uh, but I've, I've forgotten, like, mostly what I was going to say, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, when it takes long, sometimes um, you forget. I tried to write it down, but I also um, I didn't write it down this time, so I'm gonna try to remember. But I think that question also you had had about, and I think Forky had the same about what do we do in the metaverse. And when I first heard it back in Clubhouse, I was like philosophizing about okay, what do we do in the metaverse? Why would it be interesting for people? And when I learned that ten years ago we already had the metaverse, when we had like Second Life and Sims, and back then H and M and stuff were also in those metaverses and people could build their own thing i i feel like that's when we got introduced to sandbox kind of games so i feel like with yuga labs it's not gonna be like a game game but it's gonna be a sandbox game like i don't know who was saying that also before so it's more about interaction so i think i wasn't there yesterday unfortunately i did invest in land because i was hoping it's gonna be a sandbox game because when I hear people think about what's going to happen in a metaphors or why, why we're going to be there. I see it as we're missing a step in between, which is it's going to be, hopefully, I think, a 3D kind of way of how we see websites. Because websites are like still 2D. We're still like in Web2 when it comes to websites. So why not have a metaphors where it's like a hop for any brand or any artist, whatever you're you're doing and that is what you got hopefully maybe could provide so it is like going into someone's um website but then you have like stuff you could buy whether it's nfts whether it's clothing because with a background of fashion that's how i see it i think e-commerce is still going to be one of the biggest things if you look at what meta is doing they're really focusing on e-commerce um when you hear mark Zuckerberg speaking in an interview with who was it again god now i forgot his name um but there was a YouTube interview and I only watched it because I wanted to know what Mark Zuckerberg was up to when it comes to like Facebook or whatever meta. So he was really focusing on e-commerce. And I think we're going to see that play out also in Web3, like we saw in Web2 when it came to Facebook, Instagram, that was super focused in the end also really on e-commerce and stuff like that. So I hope you guys going to build like a 3D kind of website where we don't only enter to shop, but also where we interact with people, like almost like we don't need Discord maybe anymore because now you have this 3D kind of build where you can also have your headquarter or whatever. So I hope it's going to be more of an in-between step. And I think sometimes we overthink the reason we want to go to the metaphors. And Ed, you said like, why would I go? But this is also the metaphors, right? We're interacting right now on this device. So something like Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces is also part of being in the metaphors. And um, yeah, so I think we're already used to certain things. Also, when it comes to AR and VR, we use it on filters, uh, but we don't think about it. But those are things that we already are using. So I think it's only going to expand more. 100%. But I understand why I'm on Twitter. And I like I know what I, I think it's more so of the complexity um, of like of it being like like, but easy. that's just an early thing. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's what I that's what I'm saying. It's like oh, it's easy, but also necessary. Like these two things that have to hit. And you said you and Mando have been touched upon like oh, wearables and shopping. Like that makes sense. Those things, but then on top of that, there's a fact of it being easy. Now we have Twitter Spaces, which is very easy, you know, um, to get into. It's kind of easier than Discord, right? So like, there's things where. Um, you you have to like it's not even so much about like oh yeah you have to like build or it's a time or whatever like you just go on on Twitter and you're like oh shoot this is this is happening I like this so I I'm just talking about from the sense of 
because I'm, I'm into all these things. I'm all about innovation, especially when it comes to the metaverse and stuff like that. But I'm here about like, okay, why is it necessary? And like, let me ask these questions because I'm also an artist too. And I'm also in this space. Because of innovation. I think it's pure innovation. Well, That's what we've been doing since the internet, I think. And they partner with also um, uh, 10KTF, right? So I think they're really going to be focused on the whole e-commerce. Well, I hope again, because that's why I'm invested in you have well, uh, innovation, I think. Well, definitely innovation, of course, but there needs to be intentionality. Like, it needs to be intentional. Like, why you're doing it? Like, you're not just making a metaverse, which we've seen all the time. Oh, yeah, because it's a new thing. Oh, this is yeah. Like, you need to have. There needs to be a reason. There needs to be a need. And I think a lot if what if we are willing to ask ourselves these questions, other than the fact that like, yeah, this is new, right? But like, why do we need to make this? Then it will really um, help us really push the tech and really go to the place of like, oh, this is this is this is a purpose. This is very purposeful because this is actually, you know, check, checking off these boxes and making it easier. So those things. I think it's because oh, we, we all spend, I think the, the proof of concept here is like, the, the proof that perhaps we needed or wanted is because we clearly spend more time with online friends than we spend with IRL friends. Like I spend more time hanging out with these and Sobi than I spend with every single friend of mine combined. Like every single day I speak to them on FaceTime and we spend some time together and we chat, whether it's serious or not serious or John or Mando and Ovi. These are people that I, are you all? Like I speak to you guys more than I think I speak to my own mom. And so and we live in the same city. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I do speak to her every day though, okay? Uh, but it's almost, uh, but it's just like, I think that this, this goes to say like, we already spent so much time on here and and we already are like, you know, and. I'm sorry, but with the, everything going up in price and stuff, like access to travel, access to uh, a lot of different places, this and that, like the, all this inflation is not helping. Like the economy is not helping travel and also pushing people to go outside. Some people actually probably have to cut back on out uh, out exterior activities, which kind of sucks. And and so it leads it pushes people inside. Now, where do you go when you're inside in between your four in between your four walls? Not everybody has a mansion with a with um, not everybody was John enough, lucky enough to, to sell their apes at the top and build a game room. Uh, he's my superhero, so I'm going to keep mentioning it. But, you know, some people want to escape, but from the inside. So what do we do? We went to Clubhouse. What do we do? We go to Twitter Spaces. But what if on here I could explore a world, this and that, that doesn't bust up my computer, that isn't like super hard to use, which is the tech that Ed's talking about. It's like for now, it's like I'm not interested in being in any of them. Am I interested in the idea of it? Absolutely. Do I want, would I use it one day to, in the open metaverse of 6529, host a live rug radio show perhaps every morning from there and be able to like put some glasses on and see you all and host conferences online? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. We're just not there yet, but I think that definitely there is proof of concept. It's like people actually really want to be on it. And yesterday's test, I think says a lot. It's like, Ape holders, we know, are very loyal and dedicated to the brand. They're loyal to what they own, to their assets. And it's like they would probably, they will be using this avidly. So it's going to be interesting to see where everything goes goes out. Like even we can broaden the conversation now to like, will we be using wearables VR in, in a decade, which Mando, you were talking about. It's like, hell yeah. Like I do, I'm definitely down to go. When I go IRL to meet up and I have those glasses, I guess like, oh, wait. Because I always tell people, like, yo, pull up your phone so I can see who you are. Because I don't know every one of you IRL, right? So I say, yo, show me your PFP. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's you? Like, yeah, you know? like So I think, like, those the wearables and this and that, that's just going to 
be like at the perfect mix between the two. I don't know if I'm fully ready for 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 VR. Definitely ready for AR. But with time, like I think we'll get there. Mind though, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But you know, it's uh, it's quite an interesting um, you know world we're going into. Just one one that one quick thing on that too. It's like I think we're already living in the metaverse right now. Like I don't think it's one place. Like. It's everything. It's just a communication layer. It's our lives that we're living, whether online, whether it's in person. It's just the culmination of everything kind of together. And I don't think it will ever be one destination. God, I hope it's not one destination because that's where we get Black Mirror aspects of. Um, I had a brain fart, but it was a really good comment. So when I remember it, um, I'm going <laughs> uh, to... Oh, 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 yeah, go. It's on the tip of my tongue. Go. <laughs> Um, That's why you gotta write them down. So yeah, feel free to interrupt me if you. If you no, I'm walking with wings. I can't write shit. Right um, but you know, I, what I was gonna say is like, like, yeah, to add on to what Simon is just saying and like what everyone has been saying. But it's like this, this is kind of a metaverse, like on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything, and it kind of just seems. I mean, not 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 specifically other side, but like the next iteration of that is not going to be like scrolling through a timeline. Like that's just not efficient. Like when you think about like, you know, if you want to interact with the most amount of people as possible in the most efficient way, like scrolling through a timeline is just like the first iteration of that. And it's probably not going to be the last, you know, like we're going to see like more like innovative ways of interacting with people online. And like, it could be, um, I think uh, Spencer said it before, um, but it, it's going to be like some sort of hybrid, maybe like there's, you know, some sort of AR, you have like a glasses or like even you know when the text available, like a contact lens, like something very minimal. And like it's 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 like again, this isn't specific to other side at all. Like this is just like the next concept of social media and how we interact with each other online. And like it makes sense for it to become a lot more than just scrolling. And I remembered uh, I was is to Ed's kind of question of like asking why. And it's like I hate looking at this view, but it's the truth of things. Like with more automation of artificial intelligence, like robots like the amount of jobs that are going to be replaced unfortunately whether we like it or not in the next 10 20 years it's scary uh very scary so what are people going to be doing with their time when they're not going to check in at a factory or an office anymore it's creating this new digital economy that's going to be imperative for people to actually be able to operate in make a living in because uh it's just scary to look at 20 years down the line uh where a lot of opportunities will be uh but it's exciting about the possibilities of what we're creating here now and i think that's the reason why ed yeah not saying the metaverse should not be made i'm for it let that be out there i'm just saying please when you're creating your metaverses build with intentionality that's it i want to say one more thing and i'm gonna hop to uh listeners but brian what you were saying about the lenses i also think we're closer to that one but Again, I, I do believe we need an in-between step because it is talking all high tech. But I, when I was in New York, I spoke to a guy about nanotechnology because he could weave it into a product like a handbag and then you could trace like the authenticity of it. And when it comes to nanotechnology, that's the thing I'm excited about because it has been here for also a really long time. I think it's Nike who's been using it in clothing when it comes to athletes. And it can be used in like um, um, contact lenses. And I think they're already doing that. But of course, first, maybe the oculus and have glasses. But I think it's going to be easier to have contacts. This is crazy. It's like what Simon is saying. It's going to be really creepy, I think, where we're going to. But I don't think we're um, that close yet. Um, I'm going to hop down to listener. Thanks. 
Yeah, so and that's why I say like not necessarily here in the U.S. first, but I look at places like in South America, India, Brazil, uh, South America, uh, Asia, where it's like such mass populations, uh, where I think we'll see more of a adoption curve quicker than here in like the states or Canada or I mean I don't know what's going to happen with England. Boris already uh, rugged it, so anything could happen. I mean, I could see a game doing it first, like Pokemon Go, but with wearables and like, you know, they're already outside and using the real world as the as the filter. So like, you know, that's that seems like an easy step for for someone. When I was living in Shanghai, I think it was what, like five years ago, they already had a bunch of robots making coffee for you. And more and more with the way social media moves and stuff like that, I've noticed that at least Shanghai, is about five years ahead of New York on the technology side with QR codes, with, like, different payment stuff. It's, it's, they're, like, out there. It's going to be super interesting to see where that leads. Um, I'm, I'm actually really excited about it because, obviously, we spend a ton of time online uh, versus, uh, versus, you know, IRL definitely love the mix of both. Like there's a reason why we all love meeting each other at NFT NYC and it's Denver and da, 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 like all these events. We love, we love a mix of both. So what, the thing I'm most excited about is AR, uh, VR is next step, but definitely AR is going to be so fun. I love what Snapchat is. Actually Snapchat, like honestly, they've, they've been crushing it on the AR side. If you all look like all the activations they've been doing, I saw some snapshot lenses the other day. You could not believe how real stock like, not great, bro. The stock is not great, but damn, bro. Like once Twitter, once Inst- I remember the day Instagram implemented stories. And I was like, yeah, I ripped Snapchat. Like even I was laughing. I was like, yo, Snapchat's dead. Like I was like, yo, it's over. And then Instagram came, went to like 300 million active users daily on stories. And Snapchat starting going lower and lower and lower, but they've completely pivoted. And what they're doing with AR, like if you went to the artifact activation uh, for Murakami and the Gagosian in New York, like there was an activation IRL, but you could also take your phone out via Snapchat and see the Murakami things coming out of the freaking ceiling and on the floor cool. and all this stuff. And they had an activation, which was IRL, URL, and at the same time for the artifact holders that were not there in person, you could actually go in the metaverse and see they recreated the Gagosian with the gallery, which is really cool to see. And so, and so I think, I think it's really, really interesting. Um, uh, you know, it's a really, really interesting uh, thing and shift that's happening right before our eyes. And so all the questions that Ed's asking, that I'm asking, and then the answers that you guys are providing this and that, it's like, I, we're going to, I think, see just play out in real life as we converse here every day. It's going to be really interesting. So on the other side stuff, I think we can, we can wrap that up. But, you know, it's interesting to see the test. I think it was, Personally, I think it was it was successful as a stress test. We'll see what comes out of it. But, you know, clearly the sentiment um, around um, NFT crypto Twitter yesterday it looked pretty good. We do have one more topic, Mando. Topic that was rugged from yesterday, but definitely we have time now. So I definitely want to get to it now, uh, which is what is the perfect size for an NFT drop? Uh, conversation comes up a lot. Uh, especially because at some point it, it had become 10K was the norm. It's like everything has to be 10,000 this, 10,000 that, 10,000 this, 10,000 that. And then I remember when Artifact did 20K, we're like, whoa. And then Gary Vee came up with 55K. But then again, like you had like, you know, proof with 1,000. You have Admit One, G Money that just ran to 25 ETH with 1,000, uh, which is really good, really uh, good other amount. Other side with 100,000. And then the other <laughs> side with 100,000. 
And and a lot of people talked about the doodles with twenty. So you know, it's it's a little all over the place now, and it's an interesting conversation. Mando, I'll go to you first. You know, what do you think? So what is what is the perfect size? As funny as that sounds, um, I I think I think it's way smaller than most collections right now. Yeah, God. Um, <laughs> no, that's what she said. Size, size matters. Six six point. Never mind. The, what? Hold on. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> The, um, we're on Spotify, guys. We're on Spotify. The uh, the this and then this is really boring. But there's tax theory, which is basically like if you had taxes at 100, percent there'd be no incentive to work. And like there's like optimal tax theory, which is like if you have it at a low enough number, enough people pay their taxes, and there's not enough um, incentive for people to dodge them. And I kind of feel like that sort of theory could be used here for a lot of collections. A lot of people think you start with 10,000 or you start even higher than that, that you're going to have a successful project. And it seems very clear to me that if you have an initial project, which is, which is a low number, like look at Jake the DJ token, right? Or look at um, Admit One or you look at Proof. Um, often you have much higher volumes than if you had, you know, conversely, we've spoken about um yeah other side is, is maybe not a great example but the idea that if you just had like a hundred thousand like pixel vault for example has all those planets and they haven't traded anywhere near as much as for example admit one will probably trade over the next year and the reason for that is people people understand the supply demand imbalance so i think when people launch projects um they should most probably consider doing a, a much smaller um project at the start and then using that as the base to then progressively get bigger and um, build up their audience. For example, like the Proof Collective. Proof Collective right now, um, if, if you ask Proof Collective holders why, why they own it, it's because they, they have like a network which they, they, can, they can use um, and that they, they're doing some small drops on the back of it. But in terms of the value proposition, it's, I think a large part of it has been it's valuable because it's – it's been seen as valuable over the last year. Like now that it's a 90th floor, if they were to do a project off the back of that, it would automatically have like a three to five ETH floor. And it's the same with like G Money's project. Now that it's, it, it could, let's say it run to 40 ETH. If he was to do like a 10K project off the back of it, that would automatically be more valuable than if he started the other way around. So I just think that maybe we're going to question how successful projects um beachhead their approach in this space spencer i see your hands raised yeah well i think it's also interesting to me like there's a couple of projects where i'm kind of skeptical of their actual supply like i think moonbirds is one of them where there's ten thousand in the collection um but then some number of those are places that they're never going to move and so and i think a lot of older collections have this too where like how many punks are in dead wallets like um how many are in funds that are structured such that they can't sell for X number of years, right? And so I think, like, when I look at them, because I, I look a lot at market caps, but sometimes I think, like, oh, is the market cap of this collection really, you know, the floor price times the units, right? And if you have, say, 10, 20, 30% of the supply some way locked such that it can't ever hit the market, then the effective, like, and I think that's what G Money did really well was like enough people who have admit one are like, well, he just gave it to me for free and he did it in personal interaction. So I'm just never going to sell it regardless of price. Like, effectively, the circulating supply of that project 
is much lower than a thousand units, which you might see. Whereas something like, say, uh, Cool Cats or some of these other projects where where people maybe haven't don't have that like I will never participate in the market. I'm just holding this forever. Um, you know, I think, and, and some people do have that opinion, but I, I think it, it, it's a really interesting way to look at NFT projects is is not just like naive supply, but what is like actually circulating supply. I don't know if the diamond-handed statistic is basically uh, what you're describing. Yeah, well, and also then, like a nesting thing because like anonymize and moonbirds, you know, like Spencer's saying, once you nest a bunch of them, you they're not technically for sale anymore, so they're just like out of the supply. Yeah, and and I think there's also a couple of projects. I'm not going to name names. I don't have enough evidence to want to do that, but I think there's a couple of projects that like have artificially like if you look at the number of tokens it's high but like some of them were minted into maybe their own wallets or in other ways they've done sort of perhaps not the most above board things to keep supply out of the ecosystem but look like their market caps higher and i think people should be very cautious of that no that makes sense by the way this is just some great points that, that spencer just raised um i totally agree with you and it's also like we've talked about on the show a couple of times like some projects should have launched smaller some projects perhaps should have launched bigger i think it depends on like really understand the kind of product market fit and analyzing it it's like for a second it's like i feel like everyone was like felt compelled and forced to launch 10k but that's just that was the name of the game peak euphoria you didn't even have time to think it's like hey 10k projects like that I, you know because obviously the 10k model was the punks and then the apes came in and kind of pushed this whole craze and everything was 10k 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 uh but some projects would have been probably more successful with 3k or 5k i think remember even when the gutter cast first came out it was like 3333 like you know it was much smaller and and they did really good very fast and then they added more with their pigeons and their dogs like there's different ways to like add on top of whether you like a project or not but it's just like i think it's interesting and then you know gary v for example i mean he already did his v friends with 10k he wanted to do v friends series two but the guy has millions of followers and clearly 55K fit his narrative because he didn't care about necessarily having a huge floor price for those. His second series, he just wanted more people to have access to his stuff. So it's like, okay, so it's 55K. So I understand why he was. Here's a that. question. If, if Gary V had launched in a thousand uh, piece. Oh my God, that thing would be overproof for sure. Uh, yeah, it would be massive. And would he be seen as more successful now if that? Happened? I don't know because I think. I think when you have like a above ten maintaining above ten years floor, ten thousand unit project, like to me that's, I think this it's is hard. harder than getting a fifty floor, let's say at a thousand unit like count. Like it's, it's like especially on the artificial pump side that Spencer's talking about. Like if if let's say the person's trying to control that that supplier that price, like it's much harder to get like five thousand people in order than like. 500 right like it's like i don't know man i think like i don't know it, it also like it, should it determine the success of a project right i, guess, I don't know I, I guess it's not that i don't think he could have done a hundred thousand project but let's say he started let's say for example moonbirds had come before proof let's say he'd let's say he uh gary mm. b had decided he'd start with a thousand or even like a i don't know 700 piece project and that immediately went to like a hundredth floor in some ways, it then opens doors to do a ton of other stuff because just because that one asset is seen as so valuable, then you open doors to the whole of your ecosystem suddenly look way more valuable. No, that makes sense. I know what you mean. I mean, I don't think you can go back. 
I mean, unless it's for a completely different product, but it's like you already have so many holders that you have to cater to. It's like, I think it's weird to go back to it, but that's a good point. But Moonburst clearly got a lot of success also because at the time, and still 90, 90s right now, but we were all looking at the proof pass and like, damn, this thing is 100 ETH. Like, <laughs> remember, we're like, damn, this is 124 ETH, I think, at some point. You know, the Moonbirds are bound to, to fly. So I think that, that played a huge part in like... That's exactly what it is. Like, yeah. I, I think not that was incredibly smart. That was incredibly Genius. smart. Yeah. And, and not enough people have done it, I don't think. But they will now. Like, G-Money's project, because it, because that initial project is now, let's say, even goes up to 40 ETH, his next project is going to be worth... He could probably sell it for, like, two two and a half ETH, just like the moon. I think when they when they were initially announcing Moonbirds, right, it was around 40 ETH, and then they ran up to, like, 100 after that. I think they went to, yeah, 125 or something. That was top or something for, for that. And it's still really high. Like, it's... What is it at right now? What's proof at? Um, let me see. Proof Collective, a thousand units, is at eighty-eight nine. So it's 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 been you know, it's been in the it's been in the it's still in the hundreds. Like it's crazy. It's it's um, yeah. Like more of these mint pass things have been like going up lately. Like there's you the know one, pump, yeah, yeah the pre mint one. There's GM Dow. There's Proof Pass. There's like a the token proof one too. Token proof, yeah. All these no, have been. Pre-mint. Actually, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. The premint is ten thousand items. Well, you know, also think it's interesting though. To you, is like we're talking about expanded supply, right? But then I think Mando and OSEP, like you guys, have effectively like shrunk supply, which I thought was really interesting. Or, or like I think that there's an opportunity for others to like. Um, I guess you guys consolidate, maybe didn't shrink supply, but like I think there's an opportunity for for projects that maybe have larger supply than they want, and they're realizing that now to be like, okay we're going to release a new NFT, like kind of rug the original one. And if you have like three or say five of the original one, you can burn them to get one of the new one. Like we screwed up. Like I think we should see more of that in the coming time because I think it's much easier to expand your supply and harder to shrink it, but it's not impossible to shrink supply. You just need like some interesting burn mechanic. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that will happen. That's basically That's what, what I think. You guys did, right, Mando? Kind of. What y'all burn? We didn't actually do that, but but no. like, <laughs> it um, we simplified it. Is it was it always seven point two k? Yeah, across DGens and regens. Got it. I thought you guys had eleven thousand at some point. Oh, so original, but that was like a failed thing that we did. That did not work out well when we tried. To do that. <laughs> that did not work out well. <laughs> but um, that's it, a good example. Like you, you still run it. You know, you turn it around. Yeah. I, I do think there is an there is an idea that maybe maybe you could burn one of the originals for an airdrop, um, and that can reduce your supply. That that might be maybe everyone gets is one per wallet for an airdrop, and you can burn for another one, uh, burn your original for another one, and that that can be a way to reduce the original supply, the original collection, particularly if it doesn't suit ten k or doesn't suit a, above like even one k. This market right now probably has how how many people are probably on twitter active every single day i would say it's tens of thousands not hundreds of thousands like the idea that you have a 1k project i think is is kind of well suited to what it feels like right now but, but mando could you for example like say instead of burn one and claim one like burn two to claim the new airdrop and the airdrop becomes the new project like that's kind of what i'm saying i think probably should do more you can do that, but it's just diff- it's difficult to not piss off your original holders. 
that's what we kind of we've kind of we our experience when we tried to do something like that is you kind of piss off you kind of piss people off if if that new token isn't two x the price of the original token. You, like you, you're making the assumption there that it's going to be worth two x what the original token is, and that that can sometimes lead to some issues. Well, so, so that's interesting because like one thing in this discussion that I think a lot about is Clonex because Clonex has twenty thousand supply where everything else is ten thousand supply, and like. Do you, like it's I guess to your point, like it's not necessarily like an economist would say that a clone X is a ten k supply. It should just be double the price. But like practically, that may not actually be the case. Like, do you think that like I've always thought that clone X is a higher floor, a uh, higher market cap as a ten as a twenty k PFP than it would as a ten k PFP, but certainly a lower floor. I, I actually think. I've actually thought that Clonex would have a more than double the floor. Um, one, if they would have had 10K instead of 20K. I mean, it's like this was my thought in the middle of the bull run. Um, obviously, not necessarily now. Um, but because it's like what we were seeing with a lot of projects, um, like during that whole like bull run last year, was like once you broke like to like 20, like 25, like you kind of hit like escape velocity and like you could like really like take off. So, like, like let's just say, you know, Clonex was like 12 ETH at 20k and then like maybe it would have been like you know uh, you assume at least economics would dictate at least double um for like if you cut the supply in half like once you get to like 25 30 like people start fomoing like it's why like people meme like oh like you you liked it at at 100k but don't like it at 10k like because when things get more expensive like people tend to like them more um so like i think that it's definitely possible that you know if they had half the supply the floor would actually be more than double Lori, your hand up. Oh, I I had a question for Spencer because you're saying, um, like, if a project like uh, decided to, um, like, say that you know, burn like two and get claim a new one. Like, not if the old project like never had like a burn feature, how they how would they go about it? Because uh, maybe they didn't think they would need it, and uh, now it's like more like more important or something like that. How how would you go about that? I'm not sure I fully followed, but I think your question is around like how would you go about the mechanic I was talking about to decrease supply? Is that correct? yeah? Because you 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 say that like let's say like for people um, a team like has a project and then now they have something new coming up, but then they want like the old ah. like the the old project to like burn two or three or one I don't know. But then now on that old project in their contract, they never had like that option of ban, like the ban mechanics. So they can't like tell people to ban. The only thing they can maybe do is like tell them to stake it on uh, the new contract, or something like that. So yeah, so two things. One is like, I'm not saying that they're launching a new separate project. I'm saying like, I think that people should just say, hey, within the project we already have, everything will stay the same, but we want to decrease supply. So burn two to get one um, of the new project. And then the original project essentially is like no longer exists. That's the first thing. Second thing to answer your question is uh, you actually definitely can do this, right? So you can have the input price for a, a minting contract be tokens other than just ETH, right? So um, other side did this with other deeds, like an ApeCoin. Like ApeCoin actually behaves a lot like an NFT. So you could write an NF a contract where the mint price was other NFTs rather than like tokens. Like it doesn't, like rather than like, coins. Like I think that is like that that's very much possible it do, and it doesn't have to have been written in originally to the, to the prior contract 
if that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I just think I just think even even when we talk about scaling, um, so we've talking about how big brands are going to come in here and they're going to maybe try and sell. I, I remember was it DC Comics it tried to sell like a hundred thousand Batman what? NFT recently. Like, it's just you 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 actually can you get more trading fees, you get you at a higher floor price, and you're seen as more successful if you have a much lower supply. Often, in my opinion, at least for, for your first NFT, and I just think that sometimes strategists are looking at how they should scale completely the wrong way around like it should be a beachhead approach where you go in with a valuable nft which is seen as valuable that's what you should be aiming for at the start um and then kind of going from there i think sometimes though it's uh when you make it a bigger size um pricing it's easier to price where it's more accessible or it seems uh, yeah, more accessible to the to the space at the moment, right? I, I think when you have a smaller collection, sometimes you may price it a little bit more uh, expensive, um, and then people are like, "Oh, this is too much" or whatever. And so, the the bigger the amount, uh, sometimes allows people to price it at an easier e- or a, a more accessible point. But but I do also uh, believe in smaller. I'm I'm a fan of smaller smaller collections especially now wait hold up this is totally a side note but um mando there's a big announcement from rarible regarding you guys just just like just now yeah so rarible Rarible, wait what um so we spoke to rarible a couple a couple weeks ago and they came to us and they said um we'd love to build you a zero zero fee marketplace that that this is something that they're going to be doing get the hell out of here the CCO projects oh, um, and we're a CCO what? project. So they said, we'd love to do it. They built us a custom marketplace on the guy, um, trade it for zero fees. It's awesome. I, I actually think it's a really smart team from wearable. Like, um, and we, we spoke to them, Hollywood, who kind of runs, um, well, he's, she's been like our main contact that we've spoken to. Um, she's great. And the, yeah, but, um, yeah, I think I think they're they're doing some smart smart strategies and uh, to kind of take back I don't know mindshare from from different projects. I love that her name is Holly and her last name is Wood. Like it's so good. It's a true story. She's awesome. We should have her on. <laughs> where is that thing, Mando? Like, where can I see it? What the hell? Based on a true story. If you go to Rarible's Twitter, um, they've they've changed their name even to like Rarible Hearts Wrecked Guy. <laughs> On Twitter. Let me see. That could be possibly the only thing that will make me use Rarible right now. Wow. I saw, I saw all your MFs got swept as well last night through, but I haven't seen any, anything since then. But fine. <laughs> Great. Obviously. Oh, no. That's fine. 1.4. Bri- Brian, what you said about Clonex, I agree, though. I agree that if they had done 10K project, I would have bought a ton of Clonex. There was a long, there was a long period where I was like, "Oh, twenty k is too big. It'll take a long time for it to rally." And even now, I think that could be a, that would have been a project which could be thirty, forty ETH floor if it had been ten k, and yeah, it would have had way more volumes. Connex is a gift that keeps on giving. They gave us the monolith that went to seven ETH. They gave us the pods that went up to two ETH. They gave us another pod that went up to one ETH. It's not that it's a bad project. It's just I think it could have been even more successful. Yeah, it's also smaller. It's also like if you have 20k, it's also like 
aside from the fact that like you know you'd think that half the supply should mean double the floor like when like the floors were generally thicker because more people are listing so it makes it even harder for the floor to go up so like um so yeah like 20k i think definitely would I, I mean i think 10k probably would have been better for them but also you know it depends what they're trying to do in the long run like obviously their uh their main goal isn't to like have the floor like pump as high as possible um they they want to build something for the long run they're not necessarily worried about the floor price i guess i think um hi gm <laughs> sleeping um i think that that's yeah. exactly the point that i was gonna make actually is it you know in the short term yes in the long term like i don't know that i have any idea and and if you look at like adam bomb squad they were 25k but also you know as more and more and more people come into this space there's so many people in this world and and there might be projects that just are going to take a long time like you know i think about um you know, POAPs, I think about just kind of, you know, what we're going to be building, tickets, um, memorabilia from, you know, whatever. It might actually take time for people to uh, find value in things 10 years. You know, I don't know. Some people keep kept their ticket stubs for, you know, 20 years and now they're actually worth something. So I just think that I don't even have any idea, but I was thinking, wow, what would happen um, as there's more and more people, how many more, um, you know, and, and depending on the project, what they're doing and also floor price is such a, it sucks. It's like great for us, but is it, you know, if that's all that we're worried about is the floor. It shouldn't price. be. It's really hard because it, it really does dictate, um, some founders moves you know even if that wasn't the point or that's not what they're trying to um achieve in the long in the long term i yeah. think what's beautiful about this space is matured a lot since then on that term i think we've had so many conversations not just us but like the space in general about that Lindsay, like it's actually maturing from like hey like a, a more longer term mindset or at least mid-range i like i'd like to believe that on the positive uh, on the more positive side brian i'll let you go and then uh, we're gonna wrap it up yeah so i think we're gonna start seeing like a bunch of collection not necessarily pfp collections but like just nft collections in general where like they're not meant for the floor to go up like think about like certain things in real life like you go buy like clothing like you're not expecting the value of your clothing to go up like there are products that we are meant to just like buy and not expect Consumer. to flip and make money and like go up in value like there will be a lot of products that are just products that are meant to be like enjoyed by us and not meant to go up in value dude spot yeah. on as people uh. <laughs> also like as your own values change as founders values change like if i'm not driven by if i'm personally not driven by money if that's not um something that i'm you know totally worried about which I totally am. Um, then, then the the project is is can grow in different ways, in different directions. I think. I agree with that. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how how the space evolves and grows. Obviously, it's gonna be like pure consumer products. It's gonna be communities being built, and that we're gonna. Yeah. We're gonna to see a separation between two we've seen it happen uh, i think it's been mentioned already we've seen projects now go into like they just keep on dropping 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 and clearly they're treating 
their communities as consumers, and we've seen the shift. And other projects that continue to more mostly treat their communities as actual community members or owners or holders, people who you know can add value to the network. So I think we're about to see an extreme change in growth in the space in the next coming months when it uh, when it relates to that, especially with mass adoption, which hasn't really happened yet. Like a lot of people know of NFTs, but not a lot of people have actually adopted or acquired, started acquiring NFTs, made a MetaMask wallet, this or that, or buy them on whichever chain uh, that may be. Uh, but yeah, anyways, anyways, y'all. Yes, Simon? Before you end it, I get rugged for a minute and I see Mando has a wrecked marketplace. So congrats on that. Um, <laughs> big, uh, shut up, Winx. Uh, you see this most recent, what happened with Celsius transferring 500 million to... It's over. It, is this good or is this bad, Mando? Are we, is this... No, no, cap- capitulate? Okay. Uh, Wait, why do you say it's over, though? I know. You're a little too optimistic, Mando. I think the the dance around them having to repay their make alone is over. It's not that it's... uh, They still still did a problem. They still were a problem. What they did was a problem, though. Like, like, we like... No, they still owe people money. They use the people's money that they had. You know, like, that's an issue. Well, yes, it is an issue. That's why it's yeah, not to over. Be, to be clear, this is this is just a uh, precursor to them filing for bankruptcy. So this this yeah. is all rosy. Great, great. Uh, but yeah, good show today, bro. Good show, Mando. <laughs> um, we're in the metaverse now, aren't we? So yes, Ed loves the metaverse. Touch, touch some grass. Me. Realize the metaverse will take off when the next generation that we're building for is here. And uh, get a dog. Dogs help everything. Yeah, that's why we have the boarded kennel club. You know. It's uh, it's, uh, it's your metaverse dog. It's expensive, but they're they're pure breed. Um, but uh, anyways, as usual, great show. Shout out to my co-host, not plural co-host, Mando today. As Ovi rugged us, shout out to Ovi. Uh, he's uh, he's currently trying to survive an Indian wedding. They go for very long, so hopefully he's gonna be fine by Monday. And a big shout out as usual, Lindsay, Ed, fifty five eleven, Simon, Jeremiah, Brian, Spencer, Laura, and everybody who came up on stage. Today, Sarah, everybody who was up, Laura, Zoe, thank you so much. Appreciate y'all. Tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, GM NFTs on Rug Radio. You know the vibe. Last one for the week. Going to be a great one. So I'll see you then. And with that, peace out. Have a beautiful day. Peace. And it's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. GM, GM. On this beautiful day, the good morning, MFTs, with Baroko, Seth, and Mando. Got the Alpha on Web 3, and it's all on Rogue Radio. It's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. GMGM. Rogue Radio. I love it. Without OSF. <laughs>